America on par, a powerful punch of political punditry in a pithy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. So I was reading a study out of UC Santa Clara, and I had an epiphany. Now, not all epiphanies are created equal. Some can change the world. Some just change what you order for lunch. But I wanted to share this idea with you and see if you agree. To see if you think the idea has any merit. Ready? Here it is. Part of the problem with progressive ideology today is that it focuses too much time and energy on preventing all bad things from happening and not enough time planning for how to deal with bad things when they do happen. The study I was reading was on an app created for uh, USCS, University of California at Santa Clara, by Professor Dr. Christy Bird. And the app would allow students to report microaggressions in real time with geolocation. So you could see exactly where on campus these microaggressions were occurring. It was an effort to study the psychological effects of microaggressions and to see if reporting microaggressions could help solve some of the problems with students on campus. All right, so what is a microaggression? According to the authors of the study, a microaggression is a subtle, often unintentional slight. Okay, so why are people so worried about microaggressions? Well, because they can cause anxiety, depression, and they can hurt self-esteem. See, other people can unintentionally do things that might hurt your feelings. Did you know that? They, they, They could unintentionally make you feel bad. Now, most of the time when I hear about microaggressions, it's because someone is saying we need to end microaggressions altogether. It's time to stop it. No micro, it's a microaggression-free zone. How can we possibly prevent everyone from unintentionally slighting everyone else in subtle ways? It's not a reasonable objective. Why not? Because once you start down this path, there's no way to stop. Let me demonstrate. In order to be allowed to download the app and participate in the study, you had to, quote, identify as a woman and or as a member of a disadvantaged group. Okay. So who does that leave out? White Christian men. Now, did you know that a white Christian man is actually part of a minority of the population? We may be a large minority, but we are a minority nonetheless. We aren't even the largest minority in the country. White Christian women are the largest minority of the population, but they are allowed in the study. Now, preventing people like me from participating in the study may have been an unintentional slight, but it's a slight. Isn't keeping white Christian men out of your microaggression study a microaggression itself? Why shouldn't I be offended that you don't care about all of the times that I might become offended? You can't prevent people from unintentionally hurting your feelings. And pointing out each and every incident of a microaggression of accidental slights doesn't make us better as a people. It will only serve to divide us into our own little fiefdoms of emotional frailty. Instead of trying to focus on incidents of microaggressions, of times when other people hurt your feelings, 
Why aren't we focusing on how people cope with getting their feelings hurt? That would be a much better exercise and use of research money. Instead of looking at when someone accidentally does something that's wrong, let's look at when someone instinctively does something that's right. Why not study people who don't get offended? Everybody will receive an unintentional slight at some point. Why not look at the people who don't get upset at that moment and figure out why that is? Then use the information you gather from that to help teach others the same coping techniques. We're looking at what people are doing wrong and trying to stop that from ever happening. We should be looking at what people are doing correctly and trying to replicate that. They're approaching the problem from the wrong side, and as a result, they end up at the wrong solution. The other aspect of the study that bothered me from just a purely scientific standpoint, there was no control group. In science, whenever you're conducting a study to see how people react to different stimuli, drugs, therapy, apps, whatever, you need a control group. You need to see how the results of the change in stimuli compared to people who didn't receive the same medicine or treatment. The study didn't have a control group. It also didn't have a measure before the experiment began. The people who were reporting microaggressions were said to have negative impacts on their self-confidence and feeling of belonging. But were those same people more likely to report those feelings even before the study began? Is it possible that people who don't ever report microaggressions, it's not because they don't ever receive them, it's because they, they just don't let it bother them? We don't know, because UC Santa Clara didn't ask. In science, if you go looking for a particular answer, you'll often find it. It just may not be real. This phenomenon of looking to stop a problem rather than improve the reaction to that problem isn't just about microaggressions. You see it in the climate debate. Now, if you've listened to these podcasts, you know my stance on man-made global warming. Yes, the planet warmed for most of the 20th century, but I don't believe that man was the primary driver of the natural climate system. I believe the sun is the primary actor and the oceans are the secondary actor. Temporary effects like volcanoes and aerosols are a level below that. CO2, as I see it, is a fourth level influencer, but it's basically just noise in the overall system. So, since I see climate as a natural event, I'm not worried about stopping the climate from changing. Progressives are. They don't want the climate to change. They want it to stay just as it is because they believe changing climate would be bad. Now, the argument for that is shaky, seeing as how we might be able to grow a lot more food in a warmer world and that hurricanes and tornadoes are down globally compared to where they were in the 1970s. But hey, whatever. The left is trying to prevent the oceans from rising. That's what President Barack Obama said he would do during his acceptance speech in Chicago eight years ago. That brought Oprah to tears. Well, it hasn't happened, and it's not going to happen. Even the measures proposed by the Obama administration to solve climate change aren't expected to have any measurable effect on global temperatures over the next 100 years. The error in our measurements is a magnitude of order higher than the expected benefits. In the meantime, we will hurt our economy and put people out of work. To me, the effort to prevent a bad thing from happening will cause a worse bad thing to happen. 
Instead, we should focus on how to deal with the consequences of those expected bad things. Instead of trying to stop the oceans from rising, we should do what the Dutch have done and protect our coasts from rising waters. Doesn't that make more sense? It's certainly more feasible. The protection will be more effective and less expensive than the prevention. Another example. The marches and riots going on across our country are an effort by the left to stop a supposed bad thing from happening, Trump being sworn in as president. They see that as a bad thing and they want to stop it. Well, never mind that nothing bad has actually happened yet. Trump hasn't taken away anyone's rights. He hasn't burned down the Reichstag yet, okay? No one other than Hillary Clinton or maybe Megyn Kelly has actually been harmed by President-elect Trump. So why the riots? Because they're trying to prevent a bad thing in their minds from happening. This is a futile effort. Trump has enough votes lined up in the Electoral College that even if the rioters do convince some to switch their vote to Hillary, it won't be enough. If they're able to prevent the inauguration because of their violence, then they haven't saved democracy. They've destroyed it. There's no reasonable outcome to their efforts to stop this bad thing. Instead, they should be looking at how they're going to deal with this supposed bad thing when it happens. How will they protect their liberties if Trump does indeed turn into Hitler? What constructive things can they do to protect their values rather than the destructive things they're doing to oppose Trump's perceived values? They're trying to prevent a bad thing from happening and are doing worse things in the process. Again, the prevention is worse than the preparation would be. You can see this over and over and over again in progressive ideology. They want to stop all mass shootings instead of allowing people to defend themselves in case of a mass shooting. They want to end poverty instead of teaching people how to get out of poverty. They want to shrink the size of the military because war is bad instead of having a strong military in case war breaks out. You've heard the phrase, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That's probably right if you stop at an ounce. Okay, When you have to mobilize heaven and earth, when your prevention costs tons and tons, that pound of cure starts to look a whole lot better. We can't stop everyone from ever doing anything bad, either intentionally or unintentionally. We can't stop the climate of the planet from changing over time. It's insane to even try. Instead, let's work on the cure. Let's learn to adapt. One last point. Liberals and Democrats are much more likely to believe in a version of evolution than the average conservative is. Not that some conservatives don't. It's just there are more conservatives than liberals who believe in intelligent design. Well, Darwin's vision of evolution isn't the survival of the fittest. You hear that phrase, but it's not correct. It's actually the survival of those who are best able to adapt. Darwin called changes from one species to the next adaptations, not fitness, adaptations. So if liberals believe in evolution, why aren't they applying the ideas of evolution to our everyday problems? 
Let's spend less effort trying to make the world fit our expectations and more effort trying to be better at adapting to problems as they inevitably arise. Well, thanks for listening. If you like these podcasts, please share them with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can always do so on my website, AmericaOnPar.com. I'm Stephen Parr. I can still see old glory flying over me. In the first light